Many times it's, you know, the way this is just in my own personal world, this Steve, you know, my pops, he passed away uh, uh, last July, and so now he's uh, in heaven, and, and uh, you know, so do the people in heaven, do the people in heaven know what we are doing? And I think that the answer to that, and you write this right down there in your bullet, I think the answer is yes. Yes, they know what we are doing. Now, uh, Jesus never came right out and said, Hey, everybody, the people in heaven know what you're doing. They're watching you. But there are many different passages of Scripture that sort of allude to that, that we can draw from and learn from. And uh, one of those is in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And uh, it's from the Revelation, so it means it's kind of at the end of time. And uh, things are unfolding. And uh, there's an audience that is there, and they're watching. And it says, uh, when he opened opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, and so they're standing at this altar, they're in heaven, they're kind of looking around, uh, souls of those who had been slain, why were they slain? Because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. And so these are martyrs. These are people that died because of their faith. They said, Jesus is the son of God. And other people said, no, denounce that or we'll kill you. You know, and they said, no, we can't, we can't deny the truth. Jesus is the Son of God. And so they're talking about the martyrs that were there and they're watching that take place. And um, it goes on and says, uh, they called out in a loud voice, how long, the martyrs, the, the people that were there on earth, how long, sovereign uh, Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And so here were these people on earth. Uh, some of them were being martyred for their faith. Others were looking at people being martyred for their faith. And they're, on, they're being persecuted. And they're looking around. They're seeing all of these things. Meanwhile, there are people in heaven looking down and watching all of this take place. And so what do people see when they're in heaven? Well, they see un, they see unrighteous men and they long for vindication. Write that down. People in heaven can look down and they can see unrighteous men that are persecuting the church. And they're in heaven, they're longing, and they can see people that are longing for uh, that to be vindicated and be made right. And so they see those things. And so what else do people in heaven see? Well, they see, um, we know that they are, um, uh, uh, we know. Uh, that they know all of the activities of the wicked people on earth and they can see those things that are taking place. And I also think they see when people repent. They're in heaven looking down and they see when a person becomes a Christian. A new person becomes a Christian. They see that. In the book of Luke chapter 15 verse 10 it says, now listen to this. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing, and it says, in the presence of, it says there is rejoicing in the presence of in the presence, in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so typically we think that uh, when somebody becomes a Christian, the angels rejoice in heaven. And maybe uh, you've been at a church service and somebody gets baptized and they come up out of the water and people say, oh, the angels are rejoicing in heaven because that person, uh, they became a Christian. They gave uh, their life uh, to Jesus. But what does that passage of scripture say? It says that I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. It doesn't say that the angels are rejoicing. It says, so who is it that is rejoicing in the presence of the angels? 
It must be the righteous saints, right? People who have gone into heaven and they are there and they're people that have been fully devoted to Christ their entire life. They've died. Now they're in heaven and they're looking down and they are uh, there and they are excited that someone has now become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm sure the angels are rejoicing as well. But it clearly communicates that the people in the presence of the angels are rejoicing. And so people in heaven are looking down and they see when somebody comes to be a Christian. I also believe that they are watching us run the Christian race. Write that down. They're watching us run the Christian race. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11... Um, the author of Hebrews is writing and he's, he's saying there's so many great warriors in the faith that have come before us. And uh, these are the giants of the faith. And he kind of lists them off. And he says, um, uh, remember, even in, in, in early on, Cain and Abel. Remember, uh, Cain killed Abel. But Abel, by faith, he made this sacrifice unto God. And he said he did uh, the right thing there. And, and then Abraham. Abraham, by faith, um, God shows up. He says, I want you to move from where you're at, where you're comfortable. And I want you to just go live in tents and go uh, live into the promised land. And they're like, okay, we'll go there. And then so did Jacob. And so did Isaac and their, their, their strong faith. And, and God says to Moses, I want you to lead the people out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, raise your staff up there. And, and he's talking about all of these warriors. Joseph, here's Joseph. And an angel shows up to Joseph and says, well, your wife's pregnant and it's not yours. You know, and actually your fiance is pregnant and it's not yours. Like, Wait, what? You know, but by faith, he moves forward and he, he says, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do and all. So there's all these warriors of the faith, warriors of the faith, these strong, even even the prostitute Rahab is listed in the list and, and she had strong faith and so there's all these people that are in heaven and, and, and he says, he's talking about this all these people that are up there and it says this in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 after he tells about all these warriors of the faith says, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with the perseverance, the race marked out for us. And so the imagery is of a Roman Colosseum, a Greek amphitheater. And, and the, maybe it's the, like the Olympic uh, the games are, are being played. And there's all of these people in the stands and they're looking down. And do you remember in the book of Acts when Stephen, when Stephen was martyred and he was stoned to death because of his faith? And he looks up and he sees uh, heaven open up and all of the saints that are there looking down. And so the imagery there is that are all of these people that have uh, known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and they, they knew God and they're in heaven and they're looking down and they're watching us and they're rooting for us and they're cheering for us and they're, they're desperate for us to run the race strong to be the people that Jesus wants us to be. And so are the people in heaven watching us? Well, Scripture indicates that there they are and they're there. They can see us and they can see the persecution of the saints and they can see us struggling and they're so excited when somebody turns their life over to Jesus and they desire that we would run the race to win the prize. And so the Bible does teach us, listen, that the people in heaven are watching us. So that means when you feel all alone and no one is watching and maybe that's a time of temptation for you and it's easy for you to do things that, you know, maybe, you know, God wouldn't want you to do and you wrestle in those quiet times. You're not alone. There are people in heaven and they're 
wanting you to run the race and run it well. Uh, Scripture's also very clear about something else that's very interesting. Scripture tells us, okay, so there's people in heaven, maybe even people, you know, our loved ones that were strong, strong in the faith, strong in the faith before us, and they're there. But Scripture also makes it very clear that we as believers here on earth are never supposed to try to communicate with them. And so maybe a, a seance or maybe you see a palm reader or uh, you uh, kind of pull out the Ouija board and try to have a little bit of fun with that. As scripture says, don't ever do that, period. Why? Well, scripture makes it clear that we have an enemy that's working against us, the devil. And that Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies and he's very deceptive. And when we open up our hearts and our minds to say we are interested in communicating with spiritual things that way and try to reach out to those that are dead and past, the devil just sees this as an opportunity to just kind of send a demon your way. He says, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever mess with that. Just a little bit of a warning. There And so do people in heaven know what we are doing? And the answer is yes, they're up there and they're watching and they're looking. And here's another question. Will we know each other in heaven? Will we know each other in heaven? That's a great question. Uh, are we going to be just kind of a little angels with wings and sitting on a cloud and playing a harp and just, you know, and that's kind of our existence after that? Or, or are we going to know each other in heaven? Well, do you remember that um, in the book of Luke, chapter 10, Jesus sends out, he's, he, he's been traveling around, uh, he's been communicating who he is, he's been proving who he is, and uh, there are his disciples that are following him, and as his ministry on earth starts to wind down, uh, he pulls in 70, 70 of the disciples, he says, okay, uh, I'm about out of here, and so I want you to know how the church is kind of going to work after I'm gone. You guys are going to get the responsibility of going out there and preaching and teaching and telling people about me. And so I want you to give this uh, kind of a, give it a run here. While I'm still here, I'll coach you up. And he says, so you guys go out. And uh, they were excited to go out. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, they were able to do some amazing things. They were able to heal people and, and go around. They preached and they were excited to do that. And, and Jesus calls them all back together. And when they get back to Jesus, it was so crazy. We were telling people about you and, and we were able to heal people and cast demons out of people. And it was, it was just wild, you know. And, and then Jesus looks at all of them and he says this in Luke chapter 10 verse 20. He says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now do this, do this, okay, socially distancing and all of those things. Just poke the person next to you and say, your name. That's, yeah. poke the person next to you and say, your name. Now poke the person on the other side and say, your name. Because Jesus said, rejoice that your names, your names are written in the, in your names are written in the book of, of life, in heaven. They're, they're written there. And, uh, you know that, uh, Jesus was there at the transfiguration. Remember the transfiguration? Uh, he takes Peter, James, and John, says, let's go for a walk. We're going upside, up the, up the hillside here. And, and then all of a sudden the cloud 
comes down. And then there, uh, Moses and Elijah appear before them. And they knew, they knew, that's Moses and Elijah. They knew that, they knew that. Well, how did they know that? Apparently they, they had to wear name tags in heaven. So, you know, everybody gets a name tag when you go, or maybe they, maybe there was no name tags and they just knew, they knew, wow, they knew who those individuals were in heaven. They knew who they were. And, and can you imagine, I, I, I don't know that Jesus and, and I don't know that God is, he's, when he calls us to heaven and when it's finally our time, uh, do we, do we show up in heaven and everybody is just a complete stranger? Who, where, where am I? Who, who, who are you? You know, or does he call us in as family, his royal family? And we go in and it's the aunts and uncles and it's the grandparents and it's family. It's brothers and sisters. It's family. And we see them and we know them and we love them and we rejoice with them. Well, I believe that when we get there, we're going to know and be individualized and we're going to see each other. And we're going to, you know, the Apostle Paul, um, According to 2 Corinthians, he planned on knowing the people and seeing the people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 14 says, here's Paul, and he says, Then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us, and in the same way, we are proud of you. Well, we know that when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, he was not there with them, and so he knew that that was going to be read by the church there, and and Possibly and potentially for generation after generation of people he had never met, yet he's anticipating when you see me, I'm going to know you, and when I see you, you're going to, and, and they're just going to know. We're going to know who we are when we get to heaven. And so the question, will we know each other in heaven? The answer seems to be yes, we will know each other when we get to heaven. Which begs this next question, which kind of a little different tone to it. How can it be heaven if my loved ones are not there? That's a little bit more uncomfortable to think about. How can it be heaven if my loved ones are not there? We most likely all have relatives that uh, they don't know Jesus. They uh, maybe they don't go to church, and they you know seem disinterested in the Bible or things of faith. And maybe you have family members that have just flat uh, rejected. You know. Uh, at church, that's really not my thing. You know, the Bible, yeah, that's just one of those books. Or, you know, they just kind of write all of that stuff off and they dismiss all of it. And for you and I, because we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we believe in the historical evidence and the facts that are there before us and the archaeological proof and, and all of the writings that have been discovered. And, and we can, we just know, we can just see beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we've taken Him as our Lord and our Savior. And we, we know it's true and we look forward to being there, but we know that there are people that we care about and we love that They've already written it off. How's that all going to work out? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. So he knew he would be happy when he made it through the, the cross and three days of darkness and, and the resurrection that when he ascended and he knew he would be happy. How can Jesus be happy 
in heaven if there are multitudes of people that he died on the cross for that are not even going to be there? Well, perhaps, perhaps the glories of the next life will simply overwhelm the memories of this life. That's indicated in scripture in the book of Isaiah, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, that for the joy, excuse me, Isaiah uh, chapter, what did I say? I don't know what I said, but here's what I'm supposed to read. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, according to my notes. Behold, I will create a new, uh, behold, I will create new heavens and new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Another thing to consider about those that we won't know In the next world, we will better understand the justice of God. God is completely just. He is always right. He is always true. And when we get to heaven, we will fully comprehend exactly how just and perfectly, purely just God truly is. And you and I will be so overwhelmed at the fact that we had the opportunity and took advantage of the opportunity that was extended to us through Christ to be into heaven, I believe that all of those other thoughts are simply going to go away. We will marvel at how he, God, could have sent somebody to save someone like us, and it will be totally fulfilling. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to kind of answer this question. Next question on the list there is this. Why will there be no marriage in heaven? Maybe you remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The the Sadducees, the Sadducees believed that uh, there was no afterlife. You simply, when you when you die, you're dead. It's all over. The Sadducees believed that, and so they tried to trick and trap Jesus by going up to him and saying, "Jesus, you know the Old Testament law, and that is if um, a man marries a woman and uh, and he passes away by the Old Testament law, his brother is supposed to marry her and take care of her so that she's not impoverished and enter." into a welfare state that she won't have to go out and, you know, become a prostitute or something like that to support herself, uh, but that she would be taken care of. Well, uh, that next brother dies, and so then it's the, the, the obligation of the next brother to marry her, and so she ends up marrying all seven of these brothers, and now she's in heaven, and they say to Jesus, okay, big shot, uh, you think there's an afterlife, solve this problem that you have created for yourself in the way that uh, you think things are going to play out. Whose wife is she going to be once she's finally in heaven. And Jesus answers them. He says, well, I'll give you the answer to that. According to the book of Luke, chapter 20, verse 34 to 36, Jesus replied, marriage is for people here on earth. But in the age to come, those worthy of being raised from the dead, not everybody, not everybody, But only those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. They are children of God and children of the resurrection. A couple of notes here. Jesus is not saying that we will be angels. 
we will have eternity in common with the angels. But we are not angels. Jesus is not saying that we will be genderless spirits because in heaven there will be a place for maleness and there will be a place for femaleness. But we won't be married. Why not? Why won't we be married? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us why we won't be married. However, here's just a couple of things, three things to just kind of think about and let them roll around in your mind. And maybe the reason that we won't be married in heaven is this. Why not? Well, let's just kind of speculate on this a little bit. Write this down. The context of procreation will no longer be expected. When God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he told them to go and be fruitful and multiply. And there was a whole earth there that required uh, that the, the earth would be populated. And that was the job of husband and wife to go out and populate uh, the entire uh, earth. But in heaven, uh, the number of angels is a set number. Uh, the, the number of uh, saints that will be there must also be a set number. And so procreation will not be necessary in heaven. Therefore, maybe marriage. That's why marriage will not be a part of heaven. Secondly, the illustration of marriage will no longer be needed. Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 that when a man and a woman become one flesh, they are illustrating the mystery of Christ and the commitment that Christ has to his church. The, uh, a, a biblical godly marriage is supposed to be a husband and a wife coming together in a, in a beautiful, dynamic, spiritual union. It's to be a beautiful thing. You know, who, who doesn't cry at a wedding day when the songs are sung and you see them come together and they're young and excited and all of those things? And who doesn't enjoy seeing a couple walking, you know, hand in hand, maybe in a park or along a sidewalk and you see the beauty of that relationship? And who doesn't appreciate even seeing a, a very elderly couple sitting on a park bench and still holding hands with one another or even an older couple in a, in a nursing home and they're there and they're still and who doesn't appreciate that bond and that longevity and that marriage and the beauty that is there and that is the illustration that marriage represents here on earth is that as God in heaven and 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 Christ and uh, is the bride and and are the church is the bride of Christ and Christ is the groom and and it's to, to look that way and we're to think about it that way that God loves us that way and 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 that and that's really why That's why Satan tries to tear down marriages every chance that he can. That's why Satan wants to break up marriages and to split up homes and to bring dissension and strife and friction in a home. Because God is the one that established that to be a beautiful image of Christ in the church. And the devil wants nothing to do with it. He wants to destroy that. And so that illustration will no longer be necessary in heaven because we will be in heaven. Finally, here's another reason that maybe there won't be any marriage in heaven. The function of marriage will have been fulfilled. What is the function of marriage? The function of a husband 
is to support and encourage his wife to cross that finish line at the very end of the race that she would pass over into heaven. He's supposed to encourage her and help her to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, to be dedicated to her, that she would be the most dynamic Christ follower that there is. And the role, uh, the biblical role of a wife is to be an encouragement and a helpmate to the husband, that he would be the man that God wants uh, him to be, and that they're to work together to be all that Christ would have them to be, and that they would raise their children uh, to be that way as well. And that is the role of a husband and a wife here on earth to be a helper to the mate that they would live for Christ. But in heaven, even that role will no longer be needed because we will be in heaven. Which kind of brings us to this question is, how can it be heaven if my mate is not there or I don't even recognize them as my mate in heaven? Well, to this I defer. Uh, a good friend of mine, Mike Damastus, uh, he's, a, he's a, a good friend of mine. He's a preacher over in uh, the Des Moines area, and he's been a good buddy of mine for a long, long time. He wrote this, and so I simply read it to you. Consider this. The end of a partnership does not mean the end of a deep relationship. Jesus was sinless. Yet he loved everybody, but he held a deep affection for some more than others. Some were closer to Jesus than others. We had an example of that just a couple of minutes ago in the Transfiguration. We know that Jesus had 12 uh, disciples, right? But he took just Peter, James, and John up to the Transfiguration when they were playing in the the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was betrayed. He just kind of communicated with some in different ways, and he communicated with others. And he loved them all, and he was sinless, but he was closer to some than others, and Do we really think that heaven will be a place of less pleasure than earth? In heaven, all of our desires will be good desires, and none of them will be frustrated. Perhaps there are joys far greater that God has in store for us. Besides, there will be marriage in heaven. Jesus will be the bridegroom, and we will be the bride. And somehow, I don't think we will be disappointed. It's going to be good. Heaven is going to be good. Heaven is going to be good. Imagine the greatest pleasure you've ever experienced on this earth. Heaven is going to be better. Imagine the worst day you've ever had on this earth. Hell is going to be worse. Heaven is going to be good. The question becomes, are you going to To heaven. Not everybody gets to go. Not everybody gets to go. Scripture is clear. There will be people on that day that say, Lord, Lord. And he will look at them and say, I never knew you. Not everyone gets to go. Who gets to go to heaven? Are you one of them that gets to go to heaven? Scripture teaches very clearly that the way that one gets to heaven is by accepting Jesus Christ 
and the work that he did on the cross on our behalf for our sins. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that is the pathway to get to heaven. We are sinners. We're broken. Heaven is going to be perfect. There will be no imperfection in heaven. And so how can an imperfect person like me be in a perfect place like heaven? Won't I pollute it? Won't I dilute it? Won't I make it worse than perfection that it is? The reality is yes, unless what I have done against God, the way I've sinned against him, has been completely removed from me. And I am perfect in God's sight. That took place on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he took every sin that any one of us, for all of humankind existence, to the cross with him. And he paid the price and did the sacrifice for us. So that when we say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done for me. And we illustrate by being baptized into Christ and we're lowered into a watery grave. And we say, I want to die to myself, but I want to be raised again to be a brand new person. And from this point on, I live my life knowing that Jesus paid the price for my sin. And I want to tell other people about heaven. I want them to go to heaven too. When we live that way, we go to heaven. We're going to sing a song. It's an old hymn. Maybe you've sang it many times when you were growing up like I did. And maybe when I was just old enough to kind of put my hands up on the back of the pew and my chin would kind of rest right there. I remember singing it then. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the song before in your life. But it's a great song when we all get to heaven. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you want to know what that means and how do you accept Christ as your Savior, I'd love to have that conversation with you. If you know how to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, make sure that you communicate that with people that you know and you love. Let's sing together and we'll conclude our service at this.